You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit, one podcast at a time. Well, welcome, bride chillas. Hello, party people. <laughs> I don't know if they needed that. Was it a good intro? It was a bit too bit too much to excitement. It was fine. This is Alicia oh. here, and uh, the person you hear doing party people. It's my husband, Richard. Hey, party people. Hey, come on. <laughs> Don't be getting Debbie Downer about it. Yes, what? Guess what? Guess what? What's that? Guess what? Guess what? Tell me. Big news. What's that? There's big news. Come on. It's snowing. It is in London. Snow day. It's a snow day. We're recording this yesterday. We always, we always wait for the first snow day of the year <laughs> to record an episode. Now, look, we do. <laughs> I wanted to bring Ricardo on now to... That's me. That's my European name. Mm-hmm. Uh, do a couple of things. One is have a chat about an upcoming episode that we are recording and also to talk about why this episode is a bit of a best of mashup. And they are both connected. Okay. Be- well, here it is. Because right. Rich and I have been working... I wanted to say we're balls deep in... But that's not very nice. Um we are, you know, like well, could be nice to some people. Who knows? <laughs> who, who are you to judge? We're really in the last final throws of locking off the Bride Chiller Survival Guide. Actually, tomorrow we know I've been watching the DHL. What's you really it have. You've been your your fingers been worn out from pressing refresh. Oh so DHL are. Uh, they are delivering the samples, the first prints of the Bride Chiller Survivor Guide and Bride Chiller Field Guide. And, uh, They're made in China by small children. That is not true. <laughs> no, that isn't true, actually. They're, they're a reputable publishing house. Yeah, I've made sure that they are ethical and they've got all their certificates and stuff. I've been a bit hardcore with that. Anyway, they are sending the books through for us to look at the quality, make sure it's the right color and all this stuff. And then when we say yes, we hit print. So the time is really on us to make sure that we've picked up on all my spelling mistakes and errors. Yeah. And there have been a well not I am look, I am dyslexic. I know I've got some I'm not necessarily as good at spotting things first time round. I think my writing is good. Your writing's great. But Thank it's you. it's that thing that when you write something, it's always hard to spot the errors. That's correct. So the short long story short is we have spent this weekend. And we are most, working like fuckers. We are, and I'm sorry for saying balls deep, um, but I've said it again. So it's really <laughs> don't don't draw attention to that shit. So we have basically just spent this weekend doing this when we were intending on finishing an episode that we've been working on, which I've been really excited about because I posted on the Bride Chiller community asking people about decision making and how couples work together to make decisions. Work as a team and do it my way. <laughs> exactly. And we've had lots of fantastic feedback. So we will be co-hosting an episode about decisions, hopefully for next week. We actually got before Christmas, which is only three weeks if you're listening to this when it's happening. If not, welcome to the future. Uh, we've got quite a few good episodes that we're going to try and cram in before the end of the year. And then I'm already recording stuff for 2018. 2021. <laughs> In the future. So lots coming up on the show. Do you reckon there'll be weddings in the future? Oh, God. Like 500 years in it, surely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it, just future parties. Do you reckon I they'll still be reading your book 500 years Fucking from now? Fucking hope so, mate. Although I don't care. Residuals. Residuals. My great-great-grandchildren. 
Ow. Mm, that was a Oof. too long a pause. Yikes. Between my and Al. This episode, I've revived an episode that was originally episode 85 and 86 of the Save the Date Wedding podcast, now known as the Bride Chiller podcast. Soon in the future to be known as <laughs> Ye Oldie Times podcast. Oh my God, we're not changing the name again. Do you remember what a podcast was, podcast? In my day, we listened to podcasts on electronic devices. Now we've got it implanted in our brains. So this episode is actually, I think, one of the most informative, not serious. I do sound serious in it, though. I've been listening back. Oh, really? I just sound a bit Has like... Has your tone changed? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm a little bit more like this, but... Are you doing more sportscaster stuff? Oh. But the information mm. in the... I just let that go. Yeah. The information in the keeper. episode is solid, and it's all about creating a wedding planning timeline, both prior to the wedding and also a day of timeline, which is incredibly important if you are planning anything is to write all the time and the stuff you've got to do it in down to figure out if that is humanly possible. Should I write down our dinner plan? What is our dinner plan tonight? Well, I don't know, but you just said anything needs a plan. Well, you've got to be planning. You've got to write down the turn oven on. Turn oven on. Put food in oven. Don't fuck it up. Hmm. 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 But I do think sometimes people underestimate the time things take within yes. a specific period where I know we've planned lots of things. Uh, we did a photo shoot six months ago uh, for my, for you know, you might see my face on the website. Mm. I remember us going, oh, we can whack, we can just get there. Yeah, it's 10 minutes. Yeah, well, we'll get there, we'll do this, we'll put this on. And then realised it ate up the whole day. And in TV, I do talk about in the episode, we have a thing called the call sheet, which I will explain. And I go into quite detail about it. But that's how we keep everything going. So you make sure you get everything you want when you are filming something and it all sticks to time and everyone gets to go home in a reasonable time and not get grumpy and shitty. So all very important points. But I'm happy to reshare this with you because I think it's very useful and valuable. Absolutely. So there it is. Thank you for listening to this uh podcast. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Must say that it's been great to see so much wonderful discussion happening in the community and new members. Rich is a member of the community. I am. I, I lurk. You are a lurker. Yeah. Rich, we read it in bed in the morning, not sexual, uh, but we read it. Sometimes we'll wake up. I don't up. think anyone thought it was, but now they might be. That's <laughs> that's good. Yep. <laughs> and we were like, oh, we, you know, we'll, we'll be scanning through on our phones and going, oh, this is like so-and-so said this. That's interesting. And we both, I usually comment, you comment verbally. I comment verbally. I think you should get on and comment more. Yeah, maybe. All right, to the episode. Thank you again, and we will see you next week. I mean, I'll be back in the show, obviously, but we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Your wedding timeline actually starts, you start making the wedding timeline basically the day that you pick a venue, that you find a wedding celebrant. You really need to have this all sorted out loosely. I'm not talking about crazy, you know, down to the last minute. But when you are booking a wedding venue, you're going to be deciding if you're going to have a a morning a lunchtime or an evening wedding. Perhaps your wedding's going over a couple of days, which is going to be interesting for me talking about next episode. But it's really important for you to know what you want about your vibe and what sort of wedding you're planning when you're booking the wedding venue, because that's when the decision's going to be made as to how it's all going to happen 
beforehand. So the first thing I want to say is think about when you actually want that wedding to happen. If you want sunset photos, then you're going to have to think about how you're going to make that happen. Are you going to be getting married at 3 p.m.? But you would know if you live in the Northern Hemisphere during the summer that often the, well, especially in the UK, the sun doesn't go down till bloody 10 o'clock. So if you want a sunset photo, you're going to have to have that photo taken at the end of the night when you're probably sloshed and your makeup's all running and you look a bit perhaps not as great as you did at 12 p.m. midday. So these are the things that having a wedding timeline very early on will help you decide so you don't miss out on magic moments and also you don't forget things. Weddings, I'm going I'm to burst your bubble here. Weddings, as you probably already know, are quite tiring. Planning a wedding can perhaps be a little stressful. I always say hopefully it's not because you're listening to this podcast. You are thinking ahead, not getting stressed. You are doing all of the work spreading out over a period of months. You're not going feral trying to get everything done in the last six minutes. And if you're planning a wedding in a hurry, then I hope you've listened to my episode with the wonderful Carly Kiker, who is an author who wrote a book called Hitched in a Hurry, which I do believe was episode 22. And she talks all about how to get things done quickly. But also, I do remember her talking very much about wedding timelines in her episode as well because you've got such little time to get it all done there it is so it's very important that uh, you think very much ahead of time you don't want mistimed things to get in the way of you having a really nice time so I would like you to think a little bit about your energy and a bit about your expectations of how you're going to fit things in especially the week of your wedding. Now, I don't know your life events. Perhaps you're working right up to your wedding day. A lot of people do. I worked up until two days before our wedding because I had to, because we have to make money and that's life. (laughs) Some people have these wonderful, luxurious week of wedding holidays and Good luck to you. If you've planned that in and you can make that work financially for you and you can leave the office or wherever you work and have that happen, fabulous. Enjoy yourself, relax. But I think it's probably realistic that some people have a couple of days off before their wedding and they then try and cram a lot of stuff in for two or three days prior to the wedding and get really tired. So I want you to think a little bit about the activities prior to the wedding and your expectations of your own energy and looking after yourself because often we get really excited and get a lot of adrenaline and a lot of those pent up feelings of, of seeing family and friends arrive before the wedding trying to cram in lots of social activities and and going and running around and maybe getting your nails done and having last minute sort of panics. And that can be really draining. Think about a time when you've had a lot of adrenaline. And I can sort of say to you, when I do stand up, I find it is something that I get this big peak of nervousness and adrenaline and energy. And then after the show's done, I always get a crash afterwards. I get this sort of real exhaustion. And that's your body. Adrenaline is one of these things that it kicks in, it does its job, and then after it's done, it all leaves and it leaves you tired 
and sleepy and exhausted. So I would like you to think about how you handle pressure and stress. And I'm sure you've had a situation in the past where you felt that high and you have been riding on that wonderful energy that that your body creates. But think about the downtimes afterwards. So I'm saying this in thinking about the days before your wedding and what you're going to try and do before your wedding to make it all work so that when you get to your wedding day, you've got good energy, you feel like you're ready to go and you're not hitting some sort of slump (laughs) and needing 12 cups of coffee just to get through the day. So my wedding timeline suggestions start two or three days before the wedding and all I ask you to do is be be mindful and careful of how you allocate your time prior to the wedding day. If you are having a rehearsal dinner, uh, make sure that you're not planning that rehearsal dinner to finish at midnight or 1am before your wedding day. Now that might seem like a great night to do it. Fine, if you can bump it to the night before the night before, I think that's a better idea. You get your precious sleep. You get to have the time with your friends and family if they're in town. Usually rehearsal dinner is a smaller group of people. It's not everyone that's coming to your wedding. And you get to have a bit of chill out because often people go to the rehearsal dinner and get really excited, a little boozed up, which is totally cool, but you don't want to be hungover on your wedding day. I mean, a lot of guys I know talk to say, yeah, I had like seven beers, felt like shit the next day. You don't want that. You want to feel fresh and vibrant. Boys and girls, you want to feel like you are ready to roll, having a really long celebration day and not feeling like you need 12 Panadols. Don't take 12. That's really bad. So this is the first step in planning the wedding timeline. I want you to step back a couple of days and think about how you're going to allocate your time prior to the big day. Weddings weddings are expensive. We talk about this a lot. Wedding in wedding world Time really is money. And (laughs) when I say this, I'm talking about tardiness, as we would say very properly. I'm talking about being late. I'm talking about not sticking to the schedule or schedule uh, that I'm about to talk about. This is my bit of a a bit of an angry mum talk here that I want you to think about, you know, this idea that some brides go, oh, it's fun. I was late to the late to the ceremony. Oh, and I don't think that's really that cool because every minute that you're late or not working to the schedule, and I'm not saying this has to be down to the last minute. I'm talking about these ladies that choose to be, not choose, somehow get themselves into the situation where they are one hour or one and a half hours or even two hours late for their own wedding. Every minute that you don't stick to a rough timeline is your money just disappearing. Because when you think about your allocation of funds and you think about your allocation of time, you are paying a venue, you're paying perhaps uh, your wedding planner, a caterer, you've got, if you've got price per head alcohol, that's an hour of alcohol that your guests aren't consuming, it's empty money. So, One of the big aspects of planning a timeline is also getting the biggest bang for your buck. This is making sure that your money is not being wasted. I don't even care if you're planning a $500,000 wedding. You want to make sure that you get as much value as possible from your budget, no matter how big or how small it is. So 
I ask you about this sort of little fun thing where people go, oh, it's it's fun being a bit late and making my groom suffer a little bit. Sure, that's not really my bag. But also I'd like you to think about the consequences, putting my special voice on, of the lateness. That is that. I have a small confession to make. <sighs> I was a bit late on our wedding day. And this is silly. This is really silly, and I'll tell you why. Because we got married on a property that had a main house, which is where we had our wedding ceremony and then the reception. And there was a small, beautiful, um, it's called, it's not a granny flat, but it was a small separate house that was built for the original occupants of the home's mother, which was probably, I don't know, 800 meters down a road, which was a good place to put the mother-in-law, can I just say. If you're going to build a separate house, chuck her down the road, down in the bush. Um, <laughs> so we all got my, my bridal party and my other friends all came along and we got prepared. We were prepared in this other small house. And all we had to do was have someone call a mobile phone of one of the groomsmen and say, you know, get ready to go. There was some miscommunication on my wedding day and we were waiting and they were waiting and my guests were waiting and I was late, even though I was ready. I was just waiting for the queue. So here is, this is my introduction. It's my confession to you to say that if I had had my own advice given to me, I would have been a lot more careful with communication on the day. So I didn't leave Rich standing there. And also it's winter. We got married outside in the winter. So all of my guests, our guests, were freezing their asses off, standing in a lovely courtyard, waiting for me, even though I was ready, just down the road. We were dickheads. Let's just say that. I'll take the blame for that. I wrote Rich when I was planning this this <laughs> episode yesterday. I texted him going, oh, I've just felt another pang of guilt. Not that he's ever made me feel guilty about this, for making you wait. And he wrote back going, don't be an idiot. Don't worry about it. It was three years ago. Move on. So that's why I love him. He's a wonderful man. So in... Uh, <laughs> I just had to really confess that to you. My bad communication and my lack of, of skills in this area at that time caused us to make our guests stand in the cold, make Rich stand there on his own. I was going to say like a spare dick at a wedding, and he literally was. So that's my confession to you. I have actually been to weddings where the bride has been late and it's been really annoying. I don't know if you've been a guest where you've been told to turn up at a certain time and then shit does not get started. And you're like, listen, I'm standing in heels. I'm wearing potentially an uncomfortable piece of clothing. I would just like to get a glass of champagne in my hand. Let's get this party started. Why are we waiting here? You don't want your guests to feel shitty and resentful prior to your wedding. And yes, we all have a level of understanding. Things don't necessarily have to go exactly to plan but if you tell people to turn up at 1 30 for, for 2 p.m uh ceremony and this thing doesn't kick off till three o'clock well you just it's really disrespectful that's it so you might be you might be six months out from your wedding day but i would like you to start thinking about your timeline now and this is why if you're working on wedding invitations, as I said, you will have to come up with a, well, you'll have to come up with a wedding venue where you're going to actually be married and communicate that to that venue. Often churches and often a number of private venues will have multiple weddings happening on the day. I always think it's nice 
to just ask them if that's happening. And honestly, I've been to weddings where other weddings have been happening and you don't see it because that's why you know they're making their venue they're making their venues work for them they're making their businesses work for them but they keep them separately it's not going to be a problem but it's just good to know what's happening now one thing to be just very mindful of if you have a wedding planner i don't want you to listen to this episode and go oh alicia the wedding planning is going to do it all for me i don't have to worry about this you do because it's important for you to understand what is happening on the wedding day and also for you to be in control and for you to be able to communicate with that wedding planning genius to make sure things happen when you want them to happen. Knowledge is power, my friends. And also, if a wedding planner is coming in saying, oh, no, I'll just sort it all out. I find with wedding planners, and I've spoken to quite a few in this podcast, I'm sure you've heard, they really appreciate you being in control and you telling them exactly what you want. So I always advise, I always sort of say to people, go in with your wedding planner knowing the timeline, the rough timeline that you would like to achieve. And they will be able to tell you, especially if they have an affiliation with the wedding venue that you are working with, what works, what is good for you and making that work for your specific wedding venue. So I I very much advise you, especially when it comes to the wedding ceremony time, is you think a little bit about what time works for you, what time then you are going to be putting on the wedding invitation. Now, I say this because people are always going to be late and other people are going to be really, really early. We've all got a relative that turns up 45 minutes before, and that's cool, but if there is another wedding happening, or if the venue isn't ready for your guests to be arriving that early, that can be annoying. So I think part of the big thing is communicating with the venue about what time you should actually put on the invitation, and I always sort of say, cheat it by half an hour or 20 minutes. Maybe 15. Let's not go crazy. People will generally get there early. There will always be someone that's late, that's missed a bus, that can't get a cab or whatever. And they will hopefully discreetly sit down and you will never notice. And later on, they'll go, I missed your whole wedding ceremony, but it's fine. I've had a good time. So you can always put money on the fact that there will be the two extremes there. But make sure when you are working out your timeline, and this is months in advance before you do the wedding invitation, you think very clearly about what time you would actually like people to arrive and then cheat it a little bit as to when you are going to arrive and the ceremony will be starting. Now, I don't know if you know this, I work in television, I work in TV production, I've had a long career in TV and one thing we do in television is we call, well, we create this thing called a call sheet. And a call sheet is something, well, call sheets in TV are king. No matter what TV show you work on, you always have a call sheet to tell us where to be and when. Now, this happens whether you're on TV, as I have been, and behind the cameras, as I've also been. And it is one of these documents that is absolutely gold to make the television show work. A call sheet contains all the vital information that you need to make sure everyone is in the right place at the right time. It's also one of these fabulous documents that is prepared by the television industry, a production coordinator, who's basically someone who is paid to be organized and organize everyone else to make sure we've got the right amount of money, 
to make sure we know where the the nearest hospital is if shit goes down, to make sure that the contributor or the guest or the talent knows where to be, if a cab's going to pick them up, when they're going to drop them off, to have all the contact names and numbers. So if anyone gets lost, like a little lost lamb on the day, they can go back to this call sheet and actually say, okay, I know at 5 p.m. I'm supposed to be here. Here's the phone number of the person to call if I'm lost. Or here's my phone number if someone can't find me that they can contact me. I think the call sheet is actually something that we can happily use in a wedding planning environment to make sure that things get done when they're supposed to be done. And I know a lot of wedding planners use a very similar system and you can actually just Google TV call sheet. And to be honest, I I can put a couple of links on the website, um, savethedatepodcast.com. You'll see I do all my show notes there of some documents, some templates that you can use and remove some of the bullshitty TV stuff. But also it's a great, it's a great template to use to then input all of your vital details. And when I say this, I mean the phone numbers of your bridesmaids and groomsmen, just in case you need to get in touch with them, not necessarily you, but other people involved in the wedding. If if you're using a wedding planner, this is something they will be out doing for you. They will be preparing this weeks in advance so they know that they have all the information of all the people involved in the day. But if you are self-planning, this is something that you should start doing quite early on, creating this master document that has all the information in one place. On the day, if something doesn't happen, if the cake doesn't turn up or you've got a problem, you don't want to have to be dealing with it. You want to be able to have this piece of this call sheet, this piece of document, this piece of documentation to hand off to someone else. So if something doesn't happen, they haven't got to come back to you and go, excuse me, Fiona, can you please go through your emails and try and find the appropriate number to call because the cake hasn't arrived? You don't want to hear that shit. You don't have anything to do with that. So by creating this master document with all of the details and the timeline, which we're going to get to next episode on it, then whoever is dealing with the potential issues, sagas, dramas that you won't ever know about that may occur on your wedding day, it is all in one place. They're never going to have to bother you. So yes, it's potentially boring to create a document like this, but it is really important. And I can't tell you how much I rely on a call sheet in my everyday work in TV. And all of my colleagues would say exactly the same thing. Call sheet is king. So when it comes to planning your wedding day timeline, I ask you to be organized, but also to be flexible. Things aren't going to happen the exact minute. And I said this, I think, in the intro, my written intro for this show, that being organized is the key to ditching the bridezilla and becoming a bride chiller. The more organized you are and chilled about it, the less chance that you become a psycho bitch or male bitch, himbo bitch, whatever, and actually feel like you're in control of it because you know things are going to happen. Again, you got your big document, you know when stuff's going to go down, you can relax. The thing about the wedding day, and we'll, I will talk more about this next episode, is I just want you to realize and not underestimate how quickly your wedding day is going to pass. I know everyone's probably said this to you already that's been married, going, it just goes so quickly. I don't even remember the morning. 
And that might be because I was really drunk. I don't know. It does go quickly. Stuff passes by. I want you to be able to enjoy the day, to take it all in, to not be stressed and to feel like you can really enjoy each moment. Enjoy the getting ready. Enjoy the photography. Enjoy being with your family and friends if that's what you want to do or enjoy being in a Superman fortress of solitude if that's what you want to do. So the first question I have for you is to really ask what sort of vibe you want to have on your wedding day and really incorporate that into your plan. If you want a quiet morning where you just get up and have breakfast and make sure that you aren't being bothered by heaps of people, then schedule that in. Make sure people know. You just want your your mum or your best friend or your bridal party in a hotel room with you or you want to get ready at home alone or you want a big huge party with 25 people and drinking and noise and music you really need to set the scene and you need to take control of that quite early on to make sure that your expectations are met on the day and people are aware of what you would like done the vibe. I'm talking about the vibe of the morning. I'm talking about how you want the day to play out. And the more organized you are now, again, you will be more relaxed on the day. It's current future Alicia here, uh, the host of the Bride Chiller podcast, obviously. You've been listening to me talking in the past. I have now stitched together episode 86. So this is a longer episode than I would normally do um, in the usual days. But I thought it would be silly to only give you half of the timeline episode because you want to get the rest of the information. No shit, Sherlock. So a short, brief brain break. And then we're going to jump into what was episode 87 uh, slightly edited because I couldn't leave you with just half of the message you've got to have the whole message so a longer episode but I hope you're enjoying it hope you are finding value and interest out of it and ticking things off your list more after this so one of the first things I advise you to do when planning a wedding timeline is to work backwards get to the end of the night it's like having a dessert first delicious enjoy it. You're an adult. You can do that if you want. So when will you be leaving the venue? When is it all over? And that's a depressing thought because you're like, oh, I worked all this time and now we're talking about the end. But by working backwards, you can work out what should happen when. It's very logical. It sounds silly, but trust me, it works. So by working back from the end, you can ask yourself, what is your ideal time length for your wedding reception? The average with my internet research and talking to a couple of my friends very quickly going, how long was your wedding reception? I don't really remember. The average is about six hours. And with that sort of time length, and again, this comes down to your venue and how much time you're paying for. But on average, they will allow five to six hours for your wedding reception. That includes the meal, the dancing or dancing, if you're very fancy. And also maybe a cocktail hour. Now, this depends. If you are getting married at at a venue where you are then perhaps getting married on the premises and then going on to your reception, of course, this will expand to include your wedding ceremony. You need to be sure about, and remember, if you've listened to episode 
73 of the Save the Date Wedding podcast, which I had the wonderful Christy Aslan on, who is a wedding lawyer. She talked all about getting things in writing. So you need to be sure that when you come to an agreement, when you pay your money and when you pay a deposit with the wedding venue, that you have it in writing as to how long you can stay at the wedding venue, when kickout time is and when you can arrive. It's really important that you get that in writing because this is the foundations of your whole day. And if that's not secure, things get pretty rocky. I'm going to be honest with you. You need to be able to say, all right, we can arrive at the venue at 10 a.m. and we have to leave the venue at 12 p.m. And if that's not uh, in writing, if that's not secure, then I would feel nervous for you. Go back and make a call, get it in writing right now. And just say, Alicia told me to call you. I need to get this sorted. Also, it's very important when you are talking to a venue about timelines that if you want to get in early, that you ask them what time the room is available. Because often if you are getting married at a venue that's being used for weddings regularly, that another couple might be in there until midnight the night before. A lot of people do not have the benefit of time when it comes to setting up their wedding. So if you're physically doing that yourself, you need to work that into your timeline. I really hope, now I did do this, but I hope you don't have to get up and hang decorations and stuff, which again, I've said many times, I love doing it, but perhaps I would go back now if I were to do it again and hire a day of coordinator to come in and do a lot of the small jobs that I and Rich and I actually ended up doing with our bridal party and lovely friends who saved our asses so hard on that day. Crazy, crazy, crazy. But it is important that you get that all sorted prior to your wedding week. You should get this done months in advance. Who am I Who am I kidding? This is crazy. You need to figure out when you can actually enter the premises. Again, if you have a wedding planner, they're going to know all this shit. And if they don't, ditch them and get one that does. So the big question, the big starting off is working backwards, figuring out how long you want your wonderful wedding reception and celebration time to go for. Now, when you're working this in, you need to think about your speech times. You need to also coordinate with a caterer or wedding venue about your meal preparation and service. If you're having a buffet menu meal, it all comes down to having a schedule where you can work around the service of meals and coordinating your speeches at the same time and then still giving your guests enough time to dance, especially if you have a band or live music. You want to make sure that they kick off exactly when you say they're going to, again, so you're not hemorrhaging money on something that's not actually being used. Wedding bands are great. They're very flexible most of the time. They'll arrive early, discreetly and set up. Again, this is something that you need to negotiate with them and make sure they communicate with the wedding planner and the wedding venue about when they can get access to bring their gear in. Because trust me, you don't want the band tromping in. Tromping's not even a word, but we're going to use it. Traipsing in halfway through your wedding reception. If you're only using them for the dancing part of your ceremony, you don't want them coming in and setting up. And look, if they're a good band, they're going to say, no way, Jose, we're not going to do that anyway. But you need to think about when these people have access to the venue to set up and then leave and then pop back in when they're um, allowed, when they're invited to come back in and start playing the music. Again, wedding music is something that you might be having all on an iPod. You might be able to just plug it in and play and it's all ready to go. 
But please be aware that if you are organising a band or two, maybe you've got an acoustic duo to come in and play a little bit of music over your eating and then you've got a band or perhaps you've got a DJ, just factor their setting up time into your planning. A lot of the times, if they're professional, they will suggest this to you and say, well, we like to arrive three hours prior. We like to do a little sound check, which is important. Make sure the PA works. And then we uh, chuff off for a couple of hours. We leave, very Australian saying, we chuff off. We take a hike and then we pop back in at 8pm and start dancing, start playing our music so you can get your jive on. Again, it's all about communicating when you want that to happen and how long you would like that to occur for. I always think two hours is a really solid amount of time for dancing. If you know you have a kick-ass band and you've got an audience, a group of guests that love to rock out with their cocks out and have a good time, hopefully not actually with their cocks out because that would be gross, but really like to let loose, maybe allocate an extra half an hour to 45 minutes. But realistically, if you're allocating four or five hours of dancing, even me, even I, who loves to dance cannot dance for that long it's not a marathon it's a wedding and after a couple of champs you need a special sit down in episode 57 of the save the date wedding podcast with my very special guest my lovely friend julia zamiro who is an australian uh, very uh, famous if i might say australian tv presenter host and all-round gorgeous lady she spoke a lot about picking your wedding mc and also about making sure that you communicate with them and about how you wish to run the speech slash uh, a communication part of your wedding day. And that is making sure that the people that you are asking to make speeches are aware of a potential time limit. And it's not rude to say, look, can you keep it under 10 minutes? 10 minutes is a long time. At the moment, if you think about it, you've just, and you can look at your little device now, you can see I've been speaking for 13 minutes. Now, if you're engaging and you're interested in what the person's talking about, 10 minutes can be really interesting. If it's 10 minutes of someone who's not that great at speaking or a bit nervous or a bit drunk, hopefully they're not, it can seem like an eternity. So it's very important, as Julia said in that episode, that you stick to the schedule, you communicate that with your potential speakers at the wedding and mainly just try and keep things under five minutes. Five minutes is a perfect amount of time to get a message across, hit a couple of highs, get them to cry, (laughs) get them to laugh and then move on. You don't need war and peace style speeches, really long running things in your wedding. I can't tell you enough as a professional speaker and MC, how many people I have seen when I'm hosting an event get up and do fucking long, boring speeches that you just see the guests all wanting to top themselves. That's not appropriate. You don't want that or you don't want them tuning out either. So when you are planning your timeline, make sure you allocate a correct amount of time and then you communicate that with your MC or host for the evening to make sure they keep that running and keep that going on time so you can stick to your time limits and not have this going on and on. One thing that I have seen when I've been hosting events, and this is corporate events too, I've been hosting for years big sort of business events and awards and things, which are usually run quite tightly to time. And often the the organizer of the event is often in your ear saying, you know, you've got to make up for five minutes or you can stretch for another 10 minutes, which is sometimes mortifying to go, just stretch, just talk for 20 minutes. Okay, fine. 
That's what you're paying me for. I actually did have this happen. I was hosting um, an event for Science Week in Australia, and it was quite a big event. And the woman came up to me. Someone was running late, one of the attendees who was going to be speaking at the event. And I had... (laughs) I had planned, you know, I'd written some gear, I'd written some material. She'd sent me the schedule prior to the event. And um, then on the night, of course, this guy didn't turn up. And she came up to me and just said, can you just talk for 25 minutes? Do some jokes. And my head nearly exploded. I'm like, do you understand how long 25 minutes is unprepared? So uh, I actually ended up getting one of the audience members up on stage who was in the science community. And I interviewed them. I riffed. I made it work. I was a little poo pants because I was in front of a lot of people, but you've got to be flexible. And again, when you're choosing your MC, like we said in the episode with Julia, find someone that has the capabilities of A, not getting para, not getting smashed, not drinking too much before the event, and who can deal with ups and downs of hosting such an event like this and making sure it all runs smoothly and correctly. So when we're looking at the working backwards throughout our day, one thing, especially in the wedding reception time, is looking at cocktail hour, particularly if you are organizing to have your guests be entertained, wined and dined while you go away and have your photographs taken. I have a very fabulous photographic specific episode coming up uh, very shortly, so I don't want to go too far into the world of photography because I would prefer a wedding photographer give you that information and also talk about how to schedule your photographs depending on what sort of vibe you want to have and what you want covered when it comes to weddings. But one big thing, can I speak on behalf of all wedding guests, is don't leave us alone for two to three hours while you trolley off somewhere to have a huge photo shoot because it gives me the irks when people are left to have cocktail hour which turns into cocktail I don't know three movies worth of cocktails people get really drunk early and also you don't feel like you're at a wedding anymore you sort of forget while you're there so I really believe you should work with your coordinator or if you're the coordinator work with the timeline communicate with your photographer to say let's have some photos we're not traveling far distances to have the photographs taken and also work that into your timeline so you are not gone for over an hour because it's a long long day for everyone A lovely long day, and yes, I do want you to get your photos taken, but also think about how people are going to perceive the overall event, and for the love of God, if you are serving cocktails, make sure there is adequate food so things don't get sloppy jalopy two hours into your wedding reception, because there's nothing worse than people going, I'm really drunk, Uh, you know, an hour into the wedding. Being drunk's fun, don't get me wrong, but you don't want to be that smashed that it all goes to pot because people are dribbling. That's just my advice from me to you. So I'm not going to go too far into the photography because, as I said, there will be more information about wedding photography and what we need to organize coming from an actual photographer. Hair and makeup. We're talking about the beginning of the day. We talked about the reception, the wedding reception. I'm now going to jump to the beginning of the day, and I'm particularly focusing on the bride here. The The groom has it sort of easy on the wedding day, and if there are two brides... 
if we're going for two brides wedding, then we need to double this up. And it's interesting to see. I love hearing about same-sex weddings and how a lot of same-sex couples are choosing to take a little bit of our straighty 180 traditions, but also just riffing with it and doing their own thing, which I think is fabulous because we don't do that enough. Some couples are choosing to get ready together. That's not as popular yet, but I think it's becoming more and more common for couples to uh, get ready and arrive together, which is lovely. It really is lovely. If that is something you want to do, I highly encourage it. But from a bride's perspective, if you are having professional hair and makeup on the day, it's really important that you work with your hair and makeup artist, whether that's one person or two, and whether it's multiple people, depending on how big your bridal party is, you work backwards in the same way we did with the wedding reception as to when you need to be leaving your getting ready venue and when you need to be arriving at your wedding ceremony venue. So when I say this, a lot of people go, oh, hair and makeup just takes an hour. It's fine. I'll just get it done. And that's not the case. As we've talked about before, hair and makeup is quite an elaborate and also enjoyable event. If you're paying someone 200 bucks plus pounds as well to come along and do your hair professionally and your makeup professionally, you want to enjoy it. I had, over all the years of doing television, I've had my hair and makeup done a lot of times. It's sort of normal now, whatever. It's not that relaxing. You get in and out of the chair, you move on. But a lot of people, it's a new experience. It's exciting. It's being pampered. So this is where I encourage you to actually milk this situation. Feel like you are actually being treated like a queen, as you should be. And to feel like a queen, you must not be rushed. So therefore, you need to factor in the time to actually have this shit done. <laughs> the questions I will ask, I will ask you to ask is when it comes to hair and makeup, who is getting made up on the day? And of course, you would be talking with a hair and makeup artist or two separate entities, two separate people, if you're going that way, to ask them how long they would advise. If you're having a trial, that really helps because that helps the hair and makeup artists decide how long it might take to get it all organized. Of course, a trial is an added expense, but it also helps you to connect with your hair and makeup artist, decide what they're going to do, figure out if your hair works in one way or it doesn't. You don't want to be making these decisions on the day because it's an extra layer of stress. And also a lot of hair and makeup artists just won't do it anymore without actually meeting you and having a bit of a crack beforehand. The big thing is, is how big is the bridal party? If it's more than four people, then I suggest getting two hair and makeup artists if that is what you are choosing to pay for or ask them to contribute for. One thing I did do on our wedding day is I had my lovely hair and makeup artist Sally come along and then I said to my bridesmaids, look, I'm not in the financial position to pay for your hair and makeup. If you want it, let me know in advance and Sally's going to do you a cracking deal. Um, and if not, we'll just all get ready together and have a lovely time, which is actually what we ended up doing. My sister-in-law, Lara, had her hair and makeup done and my other bridesmaids, we all just jumped in and had a bit of a makeup party. It was actually a really nice bonding experience and they all looked fabulous. So if that's not in your budget and in your timeline as well, make sure you factor that in. If they're doing their own hair and makeup, actually schedule that in the call sheet that I talked about last episode. Put it in. If they're doing their own hair and makeup, say at 10 a.m., Jane starts to do her hair. Don't forget to add that in. 
even if it's not being done by a professional. If there is more than one hair and makeup artist working on the day and they don't usually work together, then I would ask you to ask them to communicate together because if you're using a, a separate hairstylist and a separate makeup artist, it's important that they know when they would both like to start working on who. And, you know, if you're introducing two people that don't know each other in their various professions, I think it's actually just polite to say a little introduction email to say, look, here is Penelope <laughs> doing hair and here is Tanya doing makeup. Welcome. I would actually advise to hire people that have worked together before. Again, I interviewed a lovely lady, uh, Emily, from the wedding hair company who just does wedding hair and makeup. And she's got a whole team that turn up on the day and make it happen. And there are plenty of companies out there like that that do that. So I would suggest trying to hire people that have worked together before and know each other's schedule and timing. Do not add people on the day. It's really rude. You can't just turn up and go, oh, my friend Felicity really wants her hair and makeup done. Can you fix that up? Can you make that happen? No, don't do it. It's rude and it's probably not going to work and it will ruin your time. Just just don't do it, okay? Um, <laughs> it's diva. It's really diva and you'll actually end up having to pay for it. For the bride's hair, I would suggest that you put aside at least an hour and that includes if you're having hot rollers or curling done in advance. It gives them plenty of time to play with it. And I remember my lovely friend Nicole on her wedding day, she was having this, oh my gosh, amazing sort of gypsy braid and then had a flower crown. She looks stunning. But the first time that the hair and makeup artist did it, she didn't love it. And she said, I think I'd like you to do it again. And it was great because she had factored in the time for her to rebraid the hair. And I think the second time around looked perfect, perfecto. But it was lovely that she had that time up her sleeve to just be honest and say, it's not quite what I wanted. Let's have another go. So make sure that you allocate the hour. Now, if you've got short hair or you're just asking for a blowout or something, of course, take into consideration your hairstylist's advice. But it doesn't hurt if you've got 20 minutes up your sleeve and it's done. Well, that's 20 minutes you can sit and chat to your bridesmaids or have a laugh or get more photos taken. You you can't, you can only win with extra time is what I'm trying to say. Your makeup as well, I would allocate at least 45 minutes depending on the style that the, that you select. Enjoy the time. Be pampered. I always love having a chat to the makeup artists on the day. You don't want to rush these things. That's not what it's about. It's actually about sort of having a time to, to be enjoying this moment and enjoying what you are creating, having this lovely, gorgeous pampering. That's what it's all about. And that's what you're paying for as well. So by allocating the correct amount of time, it makes it really work well. If you are having a photographer arrive at the hotel or at home when you're getting ready, just make sure that you communicate with them when you're getting your hair and makeup done as so they can come along and take a couple of shots, especially if you're wearing a veil or some sort of headpiece. A nice photograph is when you are putting that on your head. <laughs> I was trying to think of a nicer way to say that when you're popping it on your noggin. So make sure that that is scheduled in. And also I would suggest perhaps that the bride gets her makeup done earlier and then you get the hair done towards the other end of the, uh, the business end of the preparation time. But again, it depends on what you want done. And also remember if you have a dress that is going to come over your head, make sure that you do pack 
some sort of cloth or something that you can cover your face with as you pop the dress on so you don't get makeup on your wedding dress because that sucks trying to get that out two minutes before you're supposed to get in the car to go to your wedding ceremony. <laughs> Final thoughts on that. If you are going to a separate venue such as a hair salon, remember that you need to factor in your travel time to and from that venue to where you're going to be putting your dress on and also just Google map the hell out of everything. It's easy to then go, okay, Google Maps says 15 minutes, let's put 20 minutes on the schedule to make sure that if you get stuck in traffic or something happens, it's not going to be the be all and end all. Transport is another big factor into thinking about how long it will take to get to and from various places on your wedding day. If you're getting ready, hotel is just, if you're getting married at the same hotel you're getting ready in, well, you've got five minutes to walk down the stairs or catch the lift. If you're a 20 minute drive away, factor 30 minutes in, again, you can't control what's happening on the day in the area. There might be a fire, there might be a flood, you just don't know. So by adding extra minutes in, I guarantee you'll use them somewhere, whether it be driving or later on. The time will be eaten up. I guarantee it. By the end of the day, you'll go, oh, I had 13 extra hours allocated into this day and they're all gone. <laughs> I just mentioned packing the special cloth that you pop over your head and face to make sure you protect your dress. Often dressmakers will include that with your dress, but all you just need a hanky. It's nothing really special. Also, I'd like you to think a little bit about the extra things that you need to pack for the day of your wedding that a lot of people forget about. And now I notice some very clever Etsy sellers are selling these as packs. Now, I love Etsy. As you know, I probably, if you follow me on social media, I like to find my favorite Etsy things and I post them just to share them with you. It's a nice uh, way. I'm an Etsy affiliate. It's a nice way if you buy through the Etsy affiliate program, if you click on the links, I get about two cents from each purchase. It's a pretty nice way to say thank you, Alicia. But also, I just love sharing the Etsy wealth. There's so many wonderful things you can buy on Etsy. And one of them is a bride pack. If you just have a look, I can post a couple this week as well, which is really a little purse or even you could use a bloody Ziploc sandwich bag. I don't care. No one's going to see this thing. But they're a pack of things that you might need, such as, well, you definitely need your lipstick because that will wear off even if you're using a MAC which I love MAC lipsticks because they last. You can buy a long-lasting lipstick. I wore a red MAC lipstick on the day. I think I, I, I did end up going to the bathroom after a couple of champagnes. I did actually go and reapply, but it really lasted throughout our ceremony and photographs especially, and then I think into the reception, and then I did a touch-up. But buy a long-lasting lipstick, invest in that, but pop that in your little special bridal purse, and also make sure you pack some Band-Aids and also perhaps some Panadol or some sort of I was going to say ambient. That is not what I mean. <laughs> you don't want to be off your nuts at your wedding. I mean just some sort of disparate, you know what I mean, a painkiller. Because if you get a headache on the day, you can pop a couple of Panadols, pop a couple of tablets that won't make you weird. Don't mix alcohol too much with it. And then you're back on your feet. Just little things that you might need on the day that might be hard to find at a wedding venue. If you're really organized, you could also do a bit of a needle and thread. If something falls apart, you've got the idea to tack it back together. But really, just think on your feet about what you might need in a purse. 
you don't have to go and buy a fancy purse. Really, you're not. People spend a lot of money on buying a fancy purse, and you never see the bloody thing. It sits under the table. I'm even just talking bring a purse from home or, as I said, a Ziploc bag that you can just fob off to a bridesmaid and she can pop it under her chair and just make sure it's there if you need it. Don't be spending extra money on a purse. You don't need an extra purse, really. I mean, everyone needs an extra purse. I love a handbag. Buy a nice handbag. Don't waste your money on a wedding purse. Just my personal thoughts. So that uh, that, that it sort of sums it up for me. My key points to take away today is to work backwards when you're working out your wedding planning timeline it's working backwards from the end of the day to the beginning figuring out how many hours you would like to dance for how long you would like people to be eating and commuting it's very important that you add travel times in also if you are providing wedding day buses or transport that also needs to be added to the timeline and communicated to someone that is organizing that sort of transport that if there is a leeway with timing especially if things are running over that the bus is going to wait around and not just take off if they take off on your wedding day you send them my way that is really bad service they're not going to take off don't worry about it it's also very important that you Really communicate with all of your vendors. And this is where it comes into, again, me highly suggesting that you investigate the use of a wedding planner or a day of coordinator to organize all of this stuff and to work with to organize this stuff together. The less stress and the less hassle, I guarantee you the extra maybe three or $400, which I know is a lot of money, but to maybe save that extra money and then invest that into someone that can help you with these details, I guarantee it will be worth your while. I'm not saying you have to hire a wedding planner six months before and go all crazy, although a lot of wedding planners really, I think, provide a lot of bang for your buck when it comes to value in saving you time and also saving you stress. However, there are lots of wonderful wedding planners that do day of wedding coordination. And this is something that you, and I'd like to talk further about this with a day of coordinator on the show. I will find someone fabulous to interview, but it is important that you find this person months in advance and communicate months in advance as well. But it really just means they turn up on the day. Their job starts prior to the wedding, clearly organizing things but they turn up on the day and make sure that everything runs when it's supposed to again if you don't have that in your budget or you are interested in doing this yourself I highly recommend having a maid of honor or someone that you trust maybe it's your mum or an auntie or uncle that you can work with with your call sheet and timeline to go through the details way before the wedding and say this is how I want it to run if things don't go to plan. Here are all the phone numbers. Here are all the contacts. You organize it and look after it on the day. The last thing I want you to do is to have any worry or attachment to these plans on the day because you will be enjoying yourself. So make sure that you have a right hand man or gal that you can you and your partner can communicate these plans too. It's really important to have a master document, a call sheet is what I called it, as we have in the television industry, and make sure that you can hand this document over and know that everything that happens on your wedding day is on that document. There are phone numbers, email addresses, 
timings, you know when that cake is going to be delivered and you have an, an, a phone number for the cake maker so if something doesn't arrive someone knows where to contact and who to contact on that day and make sure that that document is in the people's the right hands of the right people and you won't have to worry you will have no stresses on the day because someone else will deal with any potential problems that may arise well that is it current snow day future Alicia here uh, happy that you have reached Happy you've reached the end. I don't mean it like that. I mean happy that you have hopefully learned some stuff in this week's episode. And also, might I add, just speaking at the top of the hour about our book editing cramming episode situation we've got currently going on, in the Bride Chiller Field Guide, which is our wedding planner, there is a an editable timeline that you can jump in and start doing from the get-go. So I think it's just whether you buy my shit or not or you download something off the internet, whatever you do, just start start making the timeline and then make it something that can be moved around as things are booked in. That is my final point to you. Looking forward to bringing you those books, though, and getting them the fuck out of our lives. <laughs> That's awful. We love the book so much, but it's all we talk about and do at the moment. And I can't wait to release them to you to talk about and do, rather than just Rich and I sitting in our home and talking to our lovely printers and uh, our warehouse people. It's been such a learning curve, guys. I can't even... I should start a whole new freaking podcast about self-publishing a book. Just on the quiet, very happy we've taken this path because some of the publishers that we spoke, we've spoken to, have spoken to, were like, "Yeah, we like it, but we don't like all the swearing," or "We like it, but we want to, we've got a good direction about where we want to take the printing and with the design." And we're like, "I don't like any of that stuff." So by doing it ourselves, we get to bring you exactly what we want, and in better ways to say exactly what you want because we've been able to then head to the community all the time going should we do this is this cover good for you how do you feel about this whereas if we'd handed this over to a publisher we literally would have handed the text over and just said goodbye to it basically so I'm delighted I hope you're delighted we'll be having a pre-order launch in early January of 2018 and uh, if you're listening to this in the future just go and buy the book we'd really appreciate it (laughs) Thank you so much. Uh, Until next episode, which is all uh, about, it's either going to be the Q&A episode that I've been promising uh, or the decisions making episode. TBA. TBA? TBD. TB decided. TB announced. Fuck. I need to go and have a coffee. Love you all. Happy days. The Bride Chiller Podcast, empowering you to kick wedding planning ass every day.